Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Into the Fogcast podcast. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about the Executioner. We spoke to uh, Grizz earlier on and we got an insight into how he plays the game. So let's talk about how we play the game. But before we do, let's speak to our co-host. How are you today, Tofa? I'm doing very well, thank you very much. How are you doing today, Jamie? Yeah, I'm not too bad, actually. So um, let's let's get your thoughts on the Executioner. Um, how do you play him? I play him as, I guess, predominantly an M1 killer for the most part. I try and get people to sort of step in my gunk or in the Trail of Torment or in the Jam. I, different people call it different things. Um, but for the most part, it's just an M1 killer. If I can, if I know I can get a cheeky M2 off, I'll go for that. I'll go in with some aura reading perks. Like I've been using, I don't have a lot of perks for him because I got him to 15 kind of dropped, kind of dropped playing him. So I only had nurses pop. I'd use monitor and abuse a lot so I can get even closer and maybe even get some unsuspecting survivors off with a long range attack off of a generator and with nurses as well. If I see them healing under hook or right on a corner or behind a tall wall. Um, but, because I don't have many perks for him, I can't really say what I would use in games if I played him normally. But I do have some thoughts on what I would go for. I'd I'd like to do a Pentimento build. I'll go over this before with other killers, but I really do think Pentimento is a uh, a pretty solid perk if it works out. I don't like playing Meta all too much. So if I can get Pentimento to work, then I can just chill the rest of the game. The gems being done super slow. I've taken some other harmful hexes that survivors want gone, like Ruin and Devour Hope. Might even throw in Thriller the Hunter as the fourth and just go total shaman on them. Other perks I'd use would be... Now, this is probably going to sound a bit of a weird combo, but Dead Man Switch and Pain Resonance. I don't want to cage people immediately. I do want to get some hooks on them because caging people on a second hook is apparently the best way to do it. You can bypass DS when they get out of the cage if you're really going for kills and you want to play to win. It will bypass Burrow Time. His tunneling potential is... Is pretty crazy high. Um, agitation to get to the hooks faster for pain resonance. Save the best for last would be a really good shout on him because you can just use your um, punishment of the damned. Is that what it's called? Yeah, punishment of the damned. Um, yeah, you can use punishment of the damned on the on the obsession tinkerer or discordance. So you know which genders are being worked if they're two manning them or if they're they've got some good progress on them. No way out if you want to have a little end game build. You could use I'm All Ears, um, but Grizz goes into a bit of detail about why you don't want to rely on that too much. Um, but that's kind of all That's kind of all I do, really. I run around, I M1 people, I'll M2 them if I know they're going for a pallet loop or a, a pallet drop or a vault, window vault if they get locked in that animation. That's, an, that's a free hit, basically. What do you think, Jamie? How, how do you play him? So with the Executioner, then, um, some of the perks that I like to take. So with Barbecue and Chili, I like the extra blood points and the aura reading is really good. Uh, every time you hook someone so always go with that um i do think merciless storm could be good if you could pair that with uh, tinkerer so you can uh, creep up on somebody and then use your punishment of the damned especially if you're like behind a wall or something like that because uh, they're going to want to stay on the gen and get that finished so that could be a good combo uh i'm all ears and i definitely think save the best for last has a place you know, you could either use your punishment of the damned or you can just hit them at windows. More than likely, you're going to be chasing them around the windows anyway. Um, but you can use your trail to, to try and block off windows and doors and force them to pretty much have nowhere else to go otherwise for the jam. Um, as you mentioned earlier on, Scourge Hook, Pain Resonance and Dead Man Switch is always a really good option. It's kind of like the old and dying ruin combo. But you can pair that with Deadlock as well. I know it's an extra perk and you could probably put more into it. So, you know, Pain Resonance, Dead Man Switch, Save the Best for Last and, you know, maybe Infectious Fright or even Fearmonger. I know it's not well used, but it can go well so they can't run away from gens as quickly and you can use your Punishment of the Damned. Call of Brian could be a good alternative to Ruin. Uh, I know it's not a hex, but it has more benefits like notification when somebody hits a good skill check. So at least you know then somebody's gone back on the gen. And it still regresses around 200% anyway. Uh, Punishment of the Damned, I kind of like mainly use it where I can see them. So like around these figure of eight loops with the pallet in the middle or maybe an LT wall. And if they're going to use 
I'm if you're using I'm all ears as well, you know, you've you've got a prediction, you know where they're going to be. So that could be a good one. Uh, so with the uh, trailer torment as well, um, I've noticed that you can't put them around hooks or even gens. So you have to be further than eight meters. Uh, so yeah, don't even try. I, I learned that the hard way, like putting it down and then walking away and then realizing that they can just walk straight through and pick them off the hook or whatever. Yeah, if you go and put your trailer torment around hooks, and I think generators as well, any sort of objective-based item, they will just despawn in about a second. But yeah, other than that, as for his add-ons anyway, um, he hasn't got pretty much hardly any good add-ons. The only ones I would recommend using is the range ones, which I think are Burning Man's Painting and Wax Doll, which give you 2.5 meters um, combined. What do you what do you think to his add-ons? Oh, yeah, I think he's got two add-ons that are worth using and two add-ons that you'd use if you don't have range extenders. The only If you've run out of range extenders, you could use the ones that increase the duration of the rights of judgment, the gunk on the floor. Uh, if you combo the green and the yellow one, it gives them an extra 35 seconds of duration on the ground. But again, people only use those if they've run out of range extenders. They're the only ones worth using. And anyone that's played Pyramid Head often enough will tell you the exact same thing. His iridescents are practically useless. His purples, one will inflict them with oblivious if they step in the gunk. One inflicts them with blindness if they step in the gunk. That's not going to benefit you too much, really. And the other ones that increases killer instinct detection length, um, the how long you can hold a sword in the ground for, they're not worth using as well. The four, those four add-ons are the only four worth using, but the range extenders being the best ones. So I'm glad that you mentioned about the Cage of Atonement. Um, I would personally only do it once they've been hooked once and as for the final judgment depends how far away from a hook you are it's a mini mori and if you use it yeah it doesn't really give you any benefit to things like um barbecue and chili or dead man switch or anything like that so just use it at your own risk um like i said try and leave it as late as possible uh, what are your thoughts yeah I, I basically share the exact same opinion as that hook them on the first hook even if they're tormented cage them on the second hook so by that point you want to try and get them tormented anyway try and force it to happen and that way when they're saved off of the cage they don't get the benefit of decisive strike they don't get any benefits of um, borrowed time they won't get if the unhooker or uncager has will make it they won't get the benefit of that as well I don't see a lot of will make it's anyway so i don't see how that could be an issue and that means you are as the killer if you are playing for wins and you want to get people out of the game especially if gens are flying by you are free to tunnel that person straight out the game if you so choose to they you they won't be able to ds you you can just down them they'll have no borrowed time if you happen to be close to the cage anyway you can just pick them up and put them on the hook they won't be tormented anymore unless they've run through the gunk again after being uncaged and if you were if they were tormented again and you were to go for the final judgment and give them the chop you won't get the benefits of hooking them it won't count as a hook stage it won't let you get pain resonance it won't let you get dead man switch it won't let you get barbecue value it won't let you get pop value however if all the survivors are swarming around you they've got flashlights you want to just quickly get the survivor out and immediately start chasing yeah by all means chop them but save save the cages for second stage a lot of pyramid heads will tell you that. So that's um that's a great insight into how we play executioner, and there's definitely some things I can take away from that. So let's move on to the survivor side. Okay, so when I go against the executioner, I'm always worried about his punishment of the damned. It's one of the things I look out for the most, and also his um, trailer torment. You've got to be careful that they're not around like loops and windows and pallets uh you can crouch and you can go past them but it doesn't really work when you're being chased but yeah as for the punishment of the damned you know if you get hit by it um a lot of the time i like to take overcome it's, it's a decent perk regardless and if you've got a map like larry's it's really easy to just get away because you can just go in and out of windows and doors but yeah always try and Avoid the punishment of the damned, especially around the loops and stuff. Try and be as unpredictable as possible. But to be honest, like all of these perks are just a matter of opinion. And in the real world, you're not going to go into a game knowing that you're going to go against the Executioner. 
So, the, I mean, the build that I normally take is Spine Chill, Iron Will, Circle of Healing, and Borrowed Time. And that's my go-to at the moment. And I do think it works out pretty well. You know, Spine Chill really, really helps me out. And Iron Will keeps me quiet when I get hit. So, you know, just, just those two perks alone. I don't think there's any counter to Spine Chill other than the fact that you can walk backwards. But realistically, you're not going to have that many people walking backwards. And it, it's good against stealth killers. Um, Iron Will, it's probably the most overpowered perk at the moment. I'd say it's probably on par with Dead Hard. But yeah, I don't I don't use any exhaustion perks, which is very rare. Because you always find somebody with Sprint Burst or Lithe or Dead Hard. But yeah, I don't, I don't really tend to go for them. I like to have circular healing so I can help my friends out. What about you, Topher? What do you use? Well, if I'm going against the Pyramid Head, I tend to be either very greedy with pallets or just a W gamer and just move on to the next loop because you can hear his sword going, going into the ground and that's when you know he's going to try and M2 me here and I'll just keep running, especially if they can't see me around a corner. If I've already rounded a corner of a rock for a filler pallet that happens to be high or a high wall jungle gym, I'll, I'll just... I'll just leave and I'll make him catch up to me. I'll fake a window here and there, make him think I'm going to go for the window. It's pretty easy to try and fake windows against Pyramid Head because they'll see you running towards it. They'll put the sword in the ground. You'll hear that and you can just be like, Ooh, no, not really. I'm not going to go through that window. However, some Pyramid Heads are pretty good with their sword. They'll make you hear that sound on purpose. And, you know, they're trying to herd you away from the window. They're trying to put you in somewhere else where they think is a bit more unsafe for you, like a nearby sort of filler pallet that you know they know has already been used up. But you don't want to you don't want to greed pallets hundred percent of the time. You don't want to fake windows hundred percent of the time. You want to be kind of unpredictable with that, just as you said as well. You want to make the killer think, are you going to drop it? Are you not going to drop it? Are you going to vault it? And at best it becomes a bunch of 50-50 situations. The worst thing you can do is just drop pallets against um against him as you would a normal killer if he's going to m1 you because you'll get locked in that um, animation of dropping the pallet or vaulting the pallet or vaulting the window and that can be a death sentence it's a free hit for the for the killer then they will just hit you over it um the perks i i usually tend to mostly take the fast vault build nowadays resilience and spine chill and if i happen to go against a pyramid head then that kind of works out even better because i can vault them windows faster especially when injured and um the the killer's kind of not used to that slightly faster vaulting speed i think it's only 19 or 18 percent combined but that little extra speed can mean the life the difference between life or death and being out of his um punishment of the damned width as well but yeah that's 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 kind of just my experience going against him i will be as unpredictable as i can i might pre-drop pallets as well when i know he can't sort of get the m2 over them I might not drop them. I might just run, go to another loop as soon as I hear that sword or knife go into the ground. And there we have it. We won't keep you any longer. Enjoy the interview. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Into the Fogcast podcast. Today, we have another guest. So, guest, first tell us who you are and who you main. Hello there. Um, my name's Grease. Um, I'm a pyramid main on Dead by Daylight. Okay, so uh, the Executioner is from the Silent Hill franchise, for those who don't know. Uh, he's a very oppressive killer. He has he has so much kit that can make him hard to go against. So what made you pick him up? So before I used to play Pyramid, I was a Destiny main, and I played Destiny for a long time, but I found that he his playstyle in order to do well was very boring. It's very campy, um, very slow. Uh, I looked at other killers to play and I wanted a killer that was very challenging. Even though Pyramid is extremely strong when his power gets full use, he's very difficult to use. His M2 is very difficult to use. It's all about predictions. It's always through walls where you can't see. I just wanted a killer that would really test my abilities and show how strong he really is. When you come against a really strong Pyramid, it shows because he's so difficult to use. So that's kind of what drew me to him in the first place. Thanks for coming on, Riz. It's great to have you here. I've um I've I've seen your streams myself. You are very, very good at what you do, and you're as good a survivor as you are a killer as well. Let's start with your build, shall we? 
if you're going to play to win and you wanted to be as efficient as possible, uh, what's your go-to perk build? And can you run us through the synergy of these perks with the killer's power, if there is any? Right. Um, the, the build that I would... The optimal build that I would normally use if I wanted to just like crack down on survivors, go for a lot of wins, be as strong as I can be, is not what I actually run because I find it very it lack lackluster skill and find it I find it quite boring. But the build that I would that you would use would be corrupt intervention, hex ruin, hex undying, and tinkerer. Um, because pyramid pyramid's um, power revolves around caging. Using perks that involve hooking takes away from that. So being able to use Ruin on Undying, which is like a passive slowdown and regression, slowdown and regression perks, makes it easy to allow me to use my power while not sacrificing my perks. Tinkerer, obviously, for information, so I know when to go to gens um, to allow Ruin to do its work. Being able to also hit through walls with Pyramid whilst being undetectable is also another bonus. So that's why they, they them three synergize really, really well. Corrupt, I just think it would just be base kit just because of how quick gens can go when you're a high MMR. So that is what, if you were to um, play Pyramid to his highest level, that is what I would use. Okay, so now that you've just run through your perk build, do you have any other perk builds in case people don't have certain killers unlocked? So like, for example, the free ones or even ones you can just get with shards? Um, I think I don't really run a lot of other builds. I mean, the other build I do run normally, you can get, you can get pop. Like pop is what I generally use. You can get that through the shrine. It's also a clown, um, perk, which you can obtain through shards. There's not really, uh, save the best for last. Sometimes I do run, but obviously that's a Mike Myers perk and that requires you to buy him. So the, the main one would be pop goes the weasel. That is the only one I really include. Obviously, where I play killer at such a... I don't want to sound egotistical about a high MMR. It's very difficult to run other builds on him because you, I don't really get to show the full extent of what they can do. Whereas if you play at a lower MMR, you can really show what the build, what other builds and perk builds can do. So the, the two builds I would run would just be the Hex Ruin and I may throw Pop in and I may throw Hysteria in. They're kind of the ones I do normally use. So I know that you've just gone through the your, the perk build for being as as efficient as possible. What about the perk build that you actually run? So the perk build I actually run would be corrupt pop tinkerer and uh, hex plaything. So that's what I normally run. Hex playthings interchangeable. You can do whatever you want with it. Like I sometimes used to run save the best for last because pyramid can save stacks with his M two, but it's very difficult to use. Um, but hex play things, anything that will just give me some additional slowdown. So survivors having to not know where I am consistently, have to go and do totems, get rid of totems because of boons, etc. That is why you normally run that perk. But I usually, I normally run pop. So hex ruin and hex undying, if you want to use them to the best of his ability, um, pop just because I just think it's more skillful. And I just think I don't want to just go all out sweat <laughs> all the time, you know? I think it's um, pretty important to mention like playing playing certain perk builds um, on high MMR and low MMR because high MMR means you're playing for serious plays and low MMR is like you're playing for fun basically. It dictates if you're going to be serious or if it's going to be a fun game. Um, but, you know, with the game being all about fun, like, everyone just wants to let their hair down from time to time because that's what it is at the end of the day. It's just a game. Um, do you have any like fun builds you like to do? Any meme sort of builds you like to throw out there? Um, there are on stream, if I don't normally do them myself, but they normally get requested quite a lot. Obviously scratch mirror Myers. That's like, if we ever play other killers, the, them builds are normally requested or you can get spooky, any, any like spooky builds. So like you'd run trail of torment, um, anything that like hides your terror radius, solar hex play thing, anything that just makes it more like jump scary for survivors and we'll play them. But it's just very difficult, as you said, to do at high MMR unless we play other killers because you try you try and run these other builds to have fun and gens just get slammed they just get slammed so yeah, that's the trouble with those um undetectable builds with pyramid Head as well is he drags that knife along the floor a, a keen survivor can just hear it coming a mile off as well yeah 
I notice that quite a lot, like even with Tinkerer. So like when you go over to Jens, you'll see them run. You, I automatically assume spine chill, but when I play against a pyramid, you can just hear him. And if even if he uses the knife to hit you through the wall, like there's no way you're not going to hear that. So it is very difficult to uh, to get that kind of ambush on them. So this is going to depend on the perks that you use. But with any killer, you like to use the same set of add-ons. What would you say works well together? What would you recommend people use? And what would you say is worth avoiding? Do you mean in relation to Pyramid or any killer? Yeah, no, in relation to Pyramid Head. So in relation to Pyramid's, the thing with Pyramid, he's got a really bad add-on selection. And I don't know why it's not been updated yet or been played around with. Mm-hmm. Every Everyone will just use range add-ons. So he has three range ons, obviously a green, yellow, and a red. The range add-ons, a green, yellow, and a brown, sorry. The range add-ons are just basically what everyone uses. His other add-ons, like his eerie add-ons, just make it so you're undetectable when you stand in the goo. I, I honestly say so anything that any of the eerie add-ons avoid on pyramid because they're just unless you're having if unless you're playing for fun, then you're not really going to get any good use out of them. Like unless you're memeing, um, range add-ons are like your go-to on pyramid. They'll help you lock down any vaults from further range, especially if they dead hard to window vaults or pallet vaults. They'll help you get them and. If you weren't to use range add-ons, maybe the ones that increase the duration of his rights. So you, you get a base 75, anything that is to increase that, then I'd go to that. But range add-ons are 100% of the ones to go for. His eerie add-ons don't waste your blood points <laughs> on them. So when going into a match, what strategy do you use or do, do, does it depend on the map and perks? So I tr- I like, I, I'd like to say I try to for like multiple hooks. So like I just... I I go into games. Sometimes I'll just I'll look at the gen placement. We obviously you always pick out a three gen just in case things do go south. But when I go into games, I try and go for. I'd like to say I try and go for multiple hooks, but it all depends on how how efficient the survivors are. So if the survivors are if if at the beginning of the game if we lose like two gens, it's kind of like you've got to crack down early. So you I may tunnel quite hard with pyramid, and obviously he's like. I know people get annoyed, but he's a he's built to tunnel. Like he's it's his power. Like he's the best tunneler in the game. Um, but I will if it's going south, then I will tunnel. I will try and save cages for second stage, just so that I can avoid any perks that re- relate to hooks. Um, but we, I try and go through as many hooks as I can, just to make it more fun, because it's less boring for me as well. It's more fun having more chases, and not not as fun having one really long chase at the beginning and losing half your gens. You know. But it all depends, as I say, on how the survivors are. If the survivors pre-drop and gens get slammed really quick, then I kind of have to find pressure by doing a lot of tunneling, maybe a lot of proxying, just because we don't have as many gens to patrol anymore. And realistically, if we do lose two or more gens, even if it's during corrupt and we have a quick chase, that's half of the game over for me already. Do you know what I mean? So it's very difficult to, um, to play as fun and free as survivors would like when you play quite sweaty. Everyone has a play style that they like to stick to and most of the time it works well for them. But every now and then, not all survivors play the same, do they? So do you um, do you adapt your play style to how the survivors play or do you stick to your own thing? Uh, I adapt 100%. I, I, don't, I don't like to go into games. Um, like I like to win, but I don't like to go into games. Like I know how you can win like you can if you kill someone early and as pyramid you can easily win games but it's it's very boring and it's not very fun content to watch just consistently hammering and tunneling etc so it all depends on how the survivors play like as i said if the survivors slam gens then the, i have to do something in order to slow them down and if the survivors are very chill with gens um if they're not pre-dropping if they if they're trying to loop and have a good time then I'll, I'll try and entertain it as much as I can because it is more fun for me as well and it's more fun to watch and it's just healthier, I find. It's just a healthier back and forth between Survivor and Killer. Whereas if the Survivors pre-drop, um, bring brand new parts or builds to slam gens, then it's very hard for me to to show that or play like that because you just lose and you probably end up with like three hooks max. So it all depends on how they play. I'll just adapt to it. But I never go into games like with the idea of tunneling someone out because it's just just boring it's just it's just boring and i just think it's quite a negative way to look at the game 
in my opinion, for the fun aspect. I mean, yeah, he's got a completely unique game style, which I do think, you know, can be quite devastating, especially if you've got range add-ons and stuff like that. So getting people off generators should be quite easy from range, right? Uh, yeah, if you use the double range add-ons, especially, um, getting them off gens is quite easy, especially if you're running pop or ruin. Um, as well, like when people unhook survivors and you go back to hook and they're healing at hook, rather than having to run all the way up to the survivor to in order to hit them, if you just put your sword on the ground and do his M2, even just to bait it, they'll let go and run. So it is very easy to get survivors to stop doing things from further away. And using that as a way of scaring them rather than actually using it to hit them, because you, you'll probably miss in all aspects, they'll dodge it, but just getting them to stop what they're doing is enough for you to play around that, you know? Yeah, completely understand. So let's talk about the next topic, boon totems. Oh no. Um, yeah. <laughs> so now that boon totems have been released, most killers are really not happy with the, with how overpowered they are. And I do completely agree with them. They can be very oppressive. So let's start with the totem spawns. What do you think of the totem spawns? And do you think they could be improved? Um, it depends on the map, really. Like, I find the the totem spawns in most maps are fine. Like, I, I think they're fine. I think the problem I have with them is where survivors spawn. Like, I don't know if you guys have probably experienced it when you spawn into a trial and on the 3D rotate, uh, the, the 360 rotation of your survivor, you see a glowing totem. Like, that's a, that's an issue. That's Yeah, that's a problem. So, like... Yeah, that shouldn't be a thing. I know you can run Ruin and Undying, or you can run any Hex and Undying. Let's just say that. If they see a Hex straight away, like, you've just basically lost a perk. It hasn't even covered you, really. You've just lost it. Because your, your, your actual perk you're defending could spawn nowhere near them, but they've spawned on the Undying. So, like, I do... I think it's just to do with how survivors spawn. I like where the totem spawns are. I think they're very spread out. They can be certain maps, obviously, like the game's pretty difficult. Any indoor map, Midwitch is extremely difficult. Um, RPD is a nightmare for totems. It's good for killer, obviously, unless you're playing, um, unless you're running boons, then of course it's a nightmare. But to I think totem spawns are fine. I just think they need to work with the totem spawns and the survivor spawns. I don't think you should ever spawn and be able to see a, a hex. I just think that's an issue. Well, if they can make it so, um, if they can make it so, Pinhead's box can spawn away from everyone. Surely they can make it so at least like most killers would go in with one hex, sometimes two. They can they, surely they can make it so at least one hex spawns the furthest away from all the spawns. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know how it really works. Like I don't know what the background data is on how they spawn. I just know that there's been times like, I, like especially like I've even spawned into games before. And I don't see the totem, but I'm that close to it. I hear it burning. Yeah. <laughs> I hear it burning. It's just, that's just, it shouldn't be like that. Like, I don't think it should ever be like that. I think. No, I agree. hundred percent. That's usually how I find totems when I'm a survivor. I just run around and listen for the burning. Yeah. But as I said, if you, sp if you spawn on it, like, especially what if you're running like a meme build or something and you immediately lose something like, like say, like, there's reason why there's some some perks that just aren't used because they're just not very good. And then when they spawn on them, they just go instantly. So I think the spawns are okay, but I think it just depends on the map and how survivors spawn. Even if it is the ruin undying combo and a survivor spawns on one of the totems, I mean, yeah, you've, it's, your ruin's protected, but it's now at half strength. It's now vulnerable. It's lost that yeah, shield. And it's like, it's at the beginning of the game, which is basically like, I may not have ran undying at all, like, as I said, like, they could have spawned on the Undying, but not spawned on the Ruin or Haunted or whatever you really wanted them to spawn on, or you don't want them to spawn on, sorry. Mm -hmm. So, realistically, that Undying's done nothing because they just run around for two minutes now and find it. Whereas before, if the, if, it, if it spawns separately and survivors aren't near it, they now have to look for two rather than looking for one because they've already found one, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that's... that's um. And you've always, got, you've always got that problem as well where one survivor spots it, and then you got to work out whether you're going to be downing them or whether you're just going to let it go. Yeah, I know, yeah. And obviously, if it's a team, then automatically they just, even if you chase someone, they'll just tell them. They can just tell them where it is. So, but it's what it is. I think the spawns are okay. Oh, yeah, comms are the biggest perk for survivors, yeah. isn't it? I think in relation to boons, 
I don't know, man. I just they can be a nightmare, but that's nothing to do with the spawns. That's just to do with how the map how the map evolves throughout the game. You know. Okay, well, you've been playing the Executioner for probably since his release, right? Not, no, 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 since his release. I think I, I probably started about a year ago, to be honest. About oh, okay. Well, maybe nine, to, nine months to a year. Yeah, yeah, long enough. Yeah. So um, do you have any memorable moments, any um, any games that you're not going to forget, anything you'd like to share from past games you've had? Um, there's, there, I don't know, it depends. Like, if, if something cool happens during the game, so, like, let's say getting multiple downs of a rights or doing a crazy prediction with a rights um with the rights of judgment yeah. or even if you've come across someone sort of high profile in the game as well yeah that's true i, I normally find them in when i play survivor uh, when i play killer sometimes it's not it's not always like that ah. i think some actually no sometimes we do i think before i used to come, i used to come up against frequent comp teams which is quite cool because you actually get tested to the best of your ability when it's like that. But um, yeah, no, there's not been too many. I think since since MMR come out, um, the games, I, I don't know if you guys find it, but the people you find is a very select amount. Like maybe in an evening, I'll come across the same 20 to 30 people on rotation. So the game's not as diverse as what it was. But before MMR, when I used to play Pyramid, we'd come up against a massive variety of people and we'd still sometimes come across high profile players I've even like come into games with Ots before and whatnot, but that just doesn't really happen anymore. I'd say it was more um, more crossplay that stops me from seeing the same old faces. Ever since crossplay came in, I don't see, I rarely, rarely see someone I recognise nowadays. Oh, I don't know. I, I never really thought of it crossplay playing a factor in that. I always thought it was MMR, just because I think I don't know. It's I just think I find the same people on rotation with MMR, which is a bit sad because I used to like the diverse amount of people you'd come across and it would yeah, always be a friendly interaction people. because yeah, different people play different, um, different styles as well. Yeah. Like I think when you play against the same people back to back, there's always that sense of um, like, oh, I don't know what it is. Well, I don't know what the word is, but like if you beat someone, they want to beat you. If you keep playing against them, there's like a rivalry. Whereas if you just play, keep playing against new people, it's always diverse. It's always fun. People play different, different perk builds, etc. It keeps it fresh. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's one of the things that MMR took took from the game, in all honesty, which is a bit sad. Oh, because everyone, everyone in the higher MMR survivors, those higher caliber ones, they were just being in the same seven, eight perks. Yeah. I mean, not all at once, but between them. Yeah, I know. I just, I miss, I miss meeting new people. I suppose because it is fun. And as you said, you do meet like a lot of um, high profile people and just fun people. And it's nice. It's, it's good, especially when you're streaming, you meet a lot of people. Mm, it's a good way of networking as well, I guess. Yeah. So now that you've mastered the executioner, what advice would you give to new players or even your past self? Well, I think one of the biggest things, and I say this a lot, is don't get trigger happy with the M2. Um, I see a lot of people that play Pyramid, um, they spam the M2. Because he can hit through walls, they just they'll just stand at a pallet that's been dropped and just spam, 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 and it's detrimental. Like if you don't get a hit within the first three hits, you, it's just done out here. You're wasting too much time. It's just not fun. It's just going to stress you out. So just don't get trigger happy. Um, try and force survivors into loops. Um, use his power to stop them from dropping or vaulting, if you can. Um, just scare them with the power. The power was good, but use it as a, a deterrent, if you will. And as so, like more than you would to get hits, because you can still get hits with your M1, of course. So if you, and that's a lot easier for you. You can get closer, which reduces the distance on a follow-up. So yeah, just try not to get too trigger happy. Um, still, still use your mind games, still know how to loop. I know he hits through walls, but if you just if you try and consistently go for M2s through walls to, to avoid loops, then um, you're not really going to improve. You you'll really come into pyramid if you combine the two: a strong mind gaming killer who knows how to loop, along with someone who knows how to use the M2 to scare them, as well as to enforce them into positions where they can't avoid it. Um, another thing as well: I know cages. I know it's easy to just cage someone. It's quick. Try and use it tactic tactically or be tact what's the word? Tactical? Tactful with it. I don't know, I think I'm messing that word up. But try and be tactical with it. Tactical? Yeah, try and be tactical with it. So what I mean by that is rather than caging them on first hook, 
second hook is like the gold. That's like the golden one. So if you cage them on second hook, you can avoid like the so first hook. If they're tormented straight away, first hook, um, just hook them. When they get off hook, then cage them because you don't have to eat a DS or worry about, uh, you still have to worry about BTB, you don't have to eat a DS. And on the third unhook, which is obviously from a cage, they get nothing. So that is what you want to do. Obviously, if you can, if the final judgment, then that's obviously a plus as well. But um, second, try and save the cage for second hook because that's where you'll get the most value from it. So if it, they're, they're like the key points I think people should take. Don't get overexcited with the M2. Um, be tactical with your cage of atonement. Try and save it for second hook so you can avoid the nightmare, which is BTDS. <laughs> Going back on um, not using the M2 as much, all you need to do sometimes is just slap that knife in the ground. The survivor will hear that and it strikes the fear of God into them, doesn't it? Yeah. They will just change their direction straight away. Yeah. Well, if it, like... I feel I should actually mention this as well. Um, using the M2 when they're locked in animation is like the is obviously gold. Like they can't do anything when they're locked in animation. So whenever they're vaulting, whenever they're dropping pallets, if they're unhooking, anything that requires them to stay into a certain animation, that's when you want to use your M2 because you're you're basically guaranteed a hit as long as you aim properly. Whereas if you're if you're just trying to hit them while they're free running, it's very difficult. Also, listen, just audio is key. Audio is another key point I'd like to bring up. Um, 90% of the time, especially if you like looping TNLs or jungle gyms or shack, you're not, they're going to try and hide their physical self as much as possible. So just try and listen. That's like one of the main things you want to do when you're hitting your M2s. Just try and listen. I know a lot of people say you can run, I'm all ears, but I just find being able to see a survivor that's going to, you're going to aim at them and shoot. They're going to do the same thing they would do even if you don't have armor is They're going to try and avoid it. So just try and be or try and have good predictions. Pay attention to your audio and save that perk slot for something else that's actually going to bring better value. Some very good tips there. So with all of the uh, jungle gyms, the LT walls, the long walls, the killer shack, and all the other tiles out there, do you have a certain tile that you like to play? Do you have a favourite? Um, I think I don't know. I like to say shack's quite nice. I mean, I know not a lot of people will probably say that. Shaq's quite nice because even though it's like a really strong loop and has a god palette, um, because your pyramid is so it's so nice to be able to scare them away from getting the free vaults. Like it's very easy to get them tormented as well because obviously when they come in any doorway or vault or window, they can't avoid it. So I'd say Shaq's a nice one. Um, I think the next one would be Jungle Gym. Uh, not Jungle Gym, TNL Walls. Um they're just easy to loop. There's two straight lines whenever they vault. It's very easy to hit M2s. A jungle gyms are probably the most difficult because you're turning a lot. There's a lot of turning whenever they like, unless it's um with the long wall with the window. It's very difficult to um hit M2s there because of the angles. But Shaq's a good one because of how strong it is. It's nice to be able to um outplay someone at Shaq and not have to go for free vaults because that can be detrimental to the game. Okay, well, um, we've gone over MMR just um, just earlier, but um, it has been in the game for a little while now. Some people like it. Some people, most people don't like it. Um, has it changed your games in any way? Have you noticed a significant change in your game since its um, release? Uh, yeah, 1,000%. Um, I'd say even before it was released, when they were trialing it, it'd just be, it's just the the games are just super sweaty and it's not even like it's not even like um the survivors are like super super skillful it's just they're efficient so i find if you could have one good survivor and three like decent or meh survivors um as long as they're just when they spawn in they get on gens the game can just progress really quick um so i don't know if it's too much we don't really find too many like I don't want to sound like there's loads of teams. I can't really tell. Sometimes we've come against some teams, but um, I just think the games go super quick since MMR's come out. The perk builds that everyone brings are exactly the same. Every game plays the same. Um, there's a lot of proxying, a lot of camping, and a lot of tunneling, but that's obviously just because how quick survivors get the gens done. Mm -hmm. You're kind of, the killer's backed into a corner. And then if you bring, like, it's hard to get pressure because of how quick the objective for survivors go. And then obviously you bring boons in and I think everyone runs boons now. And I think everyone in high MMR has at least one boon a game. Oh, guilty. 
And like, if you can't get pressure from gens, you used to be able to like hit multiple survivors and they would have to link up and cooperate in order to reset you that that's gone now. So you don't get pressure from hitting multiple survivors anymore because they just healed within 15 seconds. Um, I think there's a, this is a very deep topic. I could go into a lot about this. Um, for me, MMR overall is, it's, I don't find it a good addition at all to the game. My games are just super sweaty. They're very um, repetitive. The play style on both ends is very boring. I find the environment is a bit, is a more toxic than it was before. Just because obviously when you find the same, same groups of people, there's that, there's that rivalry that builds up and it's just, people just want to beat people just to have bragging rights and stuff. And it's very difficult to have fun games when you've just played a team and you, you 4k at three gens and then you play the next game and they just want to slap, they just want to slam you and embarrass you, you know, whereas before. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned about the, the tunneling and the camping that sometimes has to happen because of how quick the gens go. Now I've, I've been tunneled. I've been camped. It, it is what it is. I don't get mad about it. I move on to the next game, which is, is what everyone should do. I've even been the killer and I've even, I'm guilty of tunneling, camping, I've had to as well. But the thing is, if the gens go by fast, why can't the killers kill fast? Exactly. I think hmm. you're the oppressor in all of this. So it's very difficult for, I think survivors don't like you to have like that kind of sense of moral high ground. Like you're doing your objective quick. Why can't I? Because oh, no. I don't know. I think so it's, <laughs> It's a weird one, but I, so I think survivors, they need to realise that the quicker the game goes for them, the harder the killer has to play. And unfortunately, that's just that's just the way it is. You can't just roll killers no. and expect not to tr- not them to roll you back, like, you know? Yeah, the killers used to be the power uh, the powerhouse of the of the game. They dictated how quick or how slow a game goes and over time that role seems to have reversed, hasn't it? Yeah. And I think as well, like ultimately like I, I find a lot of fun. I enjoy winning. Like I'm very competitive. I'm very salty when I lose. Um, and I like to win. So for survivors to just slam gens and then me having to resort to hard camping and hard tunneling when I don't really want to, because I'm going to be honest, like no one finds it fun unless you're playing phase camping bubber and it's mean builds and stuff. I, I don't want to get into a game and after two minutes, three gens have gone and I'm having to like proxy one hook. It's just, especially with how long queue times can be. It's just not fun. But unfortunately, it's not fun to just lose games in five minutes and go for free chases as well. So I think I think survivors need to realise how quick they work and how well they play. Obviously, will dictate how hard I have to play. If gens don't go as quick, then you can just roam and have fun. And But that's MMR. That's, that is the life we live now on DVD. Yeah, it's a very flawed system. Especially where... Um, I, the rank, how they rate what dictates good MMR, bad MMR. Oh yeah, just kills versus escapes. Yeah, I just, I thought uh, MMR, I've I've never liked MMR in any really games. I always found it healthy to have a, if you want like a competitive playlist, I know Dead by Daylight hasn't got the, the player base at that size to have just a raw playlist for competitive. But I always found when you introduce MMR into games like this, it sucks the fun out. Like if you're coming home from work or school or whatever and you want to, you go on games to wind down, you know, and when every game is like that and then on top of it you have toxic survivors, toxic killers, I just think it's just not a fun environment to play in and relax. Yeah, it makes you not want to play um, mean builds or, you know, just go off meta for a little bit as well. Mm, like I, I find now, even though I'm a killer main, um, I, I wind down by playing survivor. It's very chill. Even even with MMR, it's just very chill. Because killer takes consistent consistent information, to consistent attention. Any mistakes you make in that game is on you. Survivor, you can just cruise. It's very nice and comfortable. So Survivor is still quite fun, but killers are killers are quite hard now with MMR. It is. That's because the killer's time is four times more valuable yeah, than that of the exactly. survivors. Exactly that. I wish they would change MMR because the way it's working at the moment, I actually don't think it's viable. I mean, you've got people that come into the game and all they want to do is sweat by bringing the most sweatiest perks and then slam gens out and then just yeah. you just end up going against them same people all, all the time. And then the yeah. survivors moan when they don't escape because they've yeah. brought in sweaty builds and oh, you're not allowed to bring in a sweaty build. 
but we are. Yeah, no, I agree. I just think I, I know what I know what they're trying to do. Like I know what behavior are trying to do. That their idea or their goal was to make it so that the lower player, the lower player base, doesn't feel so oppressed when playing against people. They get put with people of their skill level, etc. And that works. I'm, I don't play at low MMR, but I can see why that would work at lower skill. Like it would be easier for them and better for them to grow and learn. At high MMR, it does not work. It's it's flawed, as you said. It's just a flawed system, um, and the game's not balanced. The game isn't balanced, and they, there's no raw um, win loss outcome. Like there's no clear win loss outcome, and it just doesn't work. How they rank, who does, who gets MMR? Like one survivor looping for five gens who dies at the end loses MMR. Like I don't understand. I'm a killer man, and I can see why they should get MMR. But Same when they get the hatch as well. If if you get the hatch compared to the gate, you don't get don't your get MMR. Yeah, I just think it's it's not. It's, I just don't think it's healthy. I mean, we can see from Steam stats that how many people have left the game, and it's sad. And I think how many killer mains don't really enjoy playing. I think it's sad. Um, I, I do hope in time they do rethink or have a look at MMR and think that from a fun standpoint, the game was fine before. I found like I had fun on Killer, I had fun on Survivor. We still played teams that were very good because it was just random selecting, random selection of players. So I don't know why it was changed, but they've obviously got their reasons. I think um, a better basis for MMR would have been the current emblem system they have in. They got You got four emblems. Each emblem has four rankings as well. Why couldn't they have just used that to build MMR rather than just raw escapes and, de- and kills? Yeah, I agree. I think that was... that. That made more sense. I think we when we, when they first announced MMR, because they shielded everything and it's still covered now, like you can't you can't physically see it. And people will still refer to their grade as ranks, which just shows how out of touch some people are with the game or like misinformed. I just think that the previous emblem system it actually it actually like contributed to how well you played. Whereas this new MMR system doesn't at all. Like you can get free kills just by standing in front of the hookers, Bubba, and your MMR goes up. And as I said, you could loop for five gens and die, and three players could just leave, and your MMR goes down and theirs goes up. So yeah, I think you're right. The old system is 100% better. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the rights of judgment. I know you mentioned a, a little bit previous. So just explain exactly what it is and what is the most effective way to use it to get the most value. So rights of judgment is basically the beginning stage of Pyramids M2 where he drags his sword through the ground. Um, that when they, when they walk into the goo or the jam or whatever you want to call it, they become tormented um, and that allows you to cage them. The most effective way to use it is to use it at loops. Obviously, like when you're looping a survivor, if they don't pre-drop, you, you continue round the loop with them in hopes that they loop again and then they get tormented and that's where you'll get a lot of your pressure from once they're tormented that's when you can sn- you can get your snowball um that's the way you want to use it as i said at shack before if you do shack they can't avoid it if you place your your um brights properly um but yeah that, that is the main way you want to use it just use it at loops and continue round loops you will find if you're an improving pyramid and you you start getting better at the game that survivors will shift double you like that's the way they they'll play now. Like they won't want to get tormented because they understand how detrimental it can be. So at a loop, they would rather take a hit or even go down as opposed to giving you your cage. But definitely just follow loops round, keep it tight because survivors will also keep it tight to the loop and um, hopefully they'll get tormented. Okay, um, going off that question as well, um, there was something I wanted to ask about using his power in the shack. I think I was in, I was... I've been watching your streams for a while and I remember you saying there being something you can do inside Shack from the door where the lockers are sort of like towards the window with his power. Do you just, um, is that just using his power just to block off the window and try and shut off that part of the loop? What, what do you mean if you actually use the um, punishment? Not not using the M2 to get the range attack, but just using the jam to try and push them away. I remember you mentioning something about having some sort of, um, giving out some sort of tip in a stream. Um. I, I, I can't, I probably, I could probably say like when you, obviously if you're walking along door side and they're running in to get the window vault, you can place your M2 and um, that, as, as we mentioned earlier, just them hearing that sound will scare them into wanting to use the, um, the pallet or run towards the pallet at least that will stop them going for the loops 
and that they will either throw pallet, they'll either throw shack pallet, depending on how close you are, which then you can still get your M2. Um, or I think what you actually may be referring to is following them in and blocking the window. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, so what you want to do is survivors, a lot of the time, they'll run towards a window vault and it could be Shack, it could be a TNL, wherever. Mainly, it does happen at Shack a lot. They'll run to get the vault and they'll fake it in hopes that you shoot your M2 and then they go for the vault. Just follow in, follow in, follow into the window and block it off. And that forces them to, to Shack pallet or they'll try and get greedy and still squeeze through. But that guarantees you an M1 if they don't go to go to um, use the pallet. So yeah, um, cornering them is a better way to say it. Like, like basically just guiding them to where you want them to be. Don't just think that using his M2, you have to actually use the judgment in order to, um, or the punishment, sorry, in order to get your hits. You can just manipulate where their movement is in order to scare them to block off certain aspects of where you want them to be. Oh, beautiful. That was that was exactly what I was trying to trying to remember. Thank you. Um, so the executioner can hook people and kill them off very quickly with his cage of atonement. It saves a fair bit of time versus picking them up and throwing them on the hook. But I suppose you need to pick and choose when you can do that compared to hooking, because there are benefits of hooking them. There are perk-based benefits. There are benefits to using the cage. Dead man switches at a buff, so it's getting a lot of um. It's getting a lot of value in a lot of people's games, along with pain resonance. Um, is it also worth running those perks and only hooking and saving people's torments debuff for like the final judgments? Um, do you know what? I, I, I saw this earlier and I actually I never thought of it like that because I try and have, I obviously say that any perks that relate to using hooks, obviously with pyramid, like let's say you use three cages, four cages in the game. Mm -hmm. Um that's three, four hooks and potentially like a lot of value you've lost. But that is actually, I actually read that and that, that actually, that could work quite well. Um, just saving it just so you can final judgment because you can still avoid the DS um, and you could get value from it and it would be quite nice to run them, those perks. But yeah, so if I, I feel like if you was to use any hook-based perks, they're good ones to use. And it, yeah, that would work quite well. But I obviously, I obviously say if you want to avoid... DS completely throughout the game, then second stage cage is obviously a good one. Or for, no, after first hook, second hook, yeah. So second stage cage is a good one. But that would work quite, quite well because I haven't personally used Dead Man's Switch and um, Pain Resonance yet, but I know a lot of people do. And the only reason I've been put off from using it is because of the cages. I still use Pop. Maybe it would be a good thing to run. I'd need to test it out. I actually haven't, but... But from the way it sounds, it would actually be quite good because they are very, very strong perks. It would be nice to try and use them to see what kind of um, damage they could do along with Pyramid's final judgment at the end. So the punishment of the damned can be quite deadly if used correctly. And with experience, it's something that's going to get you more downs than not. Is the distance you need to lead the target consider considerable and worth doing? Do you mean like how far away you are? Like let's say if they're at a loop or at a vault. When What do you mean by that? It's more so like um, rather than releasing your M2 to where they are, releasing it to where you think they're going to be. Because um, it's not like a hit scan. It's not an instant um, effect, is it? Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, yeah, the distance, that that's another thing. Like when, well, That's what I mean by like paying attention to your audio. Having to predict where they're going to be is like is key. Like it's not just you don't shoot. It's not even like Huntress, even though she's a lot quicker, you don't shoot where they are at that time because they've got time to react. So you do need to predict. You can kind of see like, let's say they're running towards a TNL wall. They're always going to run to the right of the window when they when they fake it. Like that's like 90% of the time. So being able to know they're going to do that, if they're going to fake, then you obviously know where to shoot. Um, listening to audio and hearing where they are, just move it a bit further on. Like so a bit further around the loop where they're going to be then you're going to get your hit. Um, but the distance, it makes a massive, a massive um, impact. And it is worth doing 100%. Because as I said, 90% of the time, you're not going to hit your M2s when, when you're aiming straight at them. It's just not going to happen. Unless you're literally right behind them and they're locked in an animation, it's just not going to happen. Like survivors aren't stupid. They know <laughs> they're, going to, they're going to avoid it as, as best as they can. Okay, well, the executioner is in a great spot. And he really has shown his powers are very matchable to the other top tier killers. Do you think he's too strong or do you think he needs more changes? 
I don't think he's too strong. I, I agree. I think he's in a, a brilliant spot. Um, I feel like he is extremely powerful. And a lot of, I think a lot of people agree, if you do like a grading system or a tier system, he's in B. Like he's up there. It's one of the strongest. Um, but on the same aspect, I think he's one of the one of the most difficult, in my opinion, to use just because his M2 is very predictive. So I feel you get that healthy exchange of being very, very good when you're very, very good and, and experienced. So I don't think he needs any changes in that aspect. I would like to see some add-on changes though. I would like to see something that just maybe that increases the rate at which he puts his sword into the and out of the ground, um, how fast the, the judgment can actually be when you use your M2, you know, like something that rather than just revolves around his passive kit, like where his goo is or if you get undetectable while standing in it, I want something that actually affects his actual ability of using it rather than just the range. So if there was any changes to be made, it would be his add-on kit because I think everyone knows that you just use range. I don't think you'll ever see a lot of people running anything other than range, which is a bit a bit sad because his power, as you said, has got a lot, of, a lot in his kit. And the only things that are worth in his add-on selection is the range part of it. The only people, the only times people use the uh, the add-ons that increase the length of time that the goo or the jam is on the ground for is probably because they've run out of range add-ons as well. Yeah, like even if like something like that would increase the time that it takes a survivor to unhook from a cage, or increases the speed at which a cage kills a survivor, like something that just doesn't constrict you to using just two add-ons or the two range add-ons all the time. I think would be nice. Perhaps even perhaps even an add-on where you know you can untorment yourself by freeing a survivor from a cage. Perhaps an add-on that stops the savior from being untormented. They remain tormented as well. That, that could that could literally be like an eerie add-on. Mm-hmm. Like because all your value comes from those cages. The amount of time like you can have three or four people tormented and two unhooks and it's all gone. All that all that progress. So that could literally be like a that's a better eerie add-on than the undetectable. Maybe I think, or maybe have them maybe have them um, exposed when they're inside the jam. Or in- yeah, when they run over the uh, the goo. Yeah, that actually. See, look, you guys need to. Yeah, we need to go to behavior and say something. You guys have got some good ideas. Like thir- like when you stand in the goo, you're exposed for like forty five seconds or something. That'd be actually class. That'd actually be class. I wish I'd do something like that, but. I think I think I think pyramids in like he is in a good place. I think he's very very he's underplayed. There's not a lot of people. I think when people come across my stream, they're a bit like, oh my god, a pyramid main. I've I finally found one, and it's a bit sad because I think he's really he's up. He's rated as one of the best. Obviously not on spirit nurse blight, but he's in there with maybe just below huntress or whatnot. So he's up there with one of the best, but he's not played. And I think it's because he's so difficult to use and frustrating. Um, but he is in a good place. I do think he takes a lot of skill, and I always find when I play against a good pyramid, it's um it's respect because he's he's difficult to use and he's very difficult to stick out. Well, at the time of this recording, he's definitely better than Nurse. Oh yeah, <laughs> she's not even alive anymore, is she? At the time of this recording, Legion's better than Nurse. I swear they literally. I swear it was only like a week ago or two weeks ago we did a forty gig update, a thirty six gig update, and I know they said it's because future patches they'll be <laughs> no. small. Been disabled, um, but I looked at the notes. It was like three paragraphs, like a Harry Potter book on the nurse, and uh, now she's disabled. <laughs> I'm yet to see such a small patch since that one came out. Oh, I don't know. I'm excited for the for the next chapter. So, see what happens. See what they. Hopefully, it will be the Ringu chapter, and the nurse will come back. We'll we'll see. Well, on the one side, on the one side playing survivor, I'm glad nurse is disabled. On the other side playing killer, I'm glad Haddonfield was disabled. <laughs> to be fair I oh, I get annoyed with Nurse just because when you come against a really strong Nurse it's like game over it's just game over isn't it it is it's very going difficult going against a bad Nurse there's no sport in it yeah like, and they're trying and you know how difficult it is to use her mm-hmm. so you feel kind of bad even though like a good Nurse will ruin me like a bad nurse, I just feel bad. Just for, not even like being unsportsmanlike, just running away and not getting hit. So, um, yeah, th- thank you very much for doing the interview. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. I do appreciate you guys thinking of me. And uh, it's been a pleasure. That's all right, Grizz. It's been lovely having you here. You've been a delight. If you've listened till the end, we would like to thank you. And if you want to hear more interviews like this, then please subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please consider giving us a rating, as this really helps our show get out there. And for most of the platforms, you can simply give us a rating. 
This interview was recorded on patch 5.5.2. I would like to thank Grizz for the interview, myself, Jamie Lee 2K and Topher for co-hosting the interview and for being a part of the intro. All links will be in the description of the podcast and we look forward to you hearing the next one.